God is good, isn't He? He is so good, He's so kind, He's so merciful. And we love Him, don't we? We're so blessed to be able, you know, that's, it's easy just to be flipping about. I think it's so easy to not realize the seriousness of the freedom we still have in this nation and the freedom to gather in this church. You realize that is such a, an amazing gift that we have, that not every nation has. Much of the world uh, is still to this day and present tense being persecuted. Uh, just as we are here freely, they would be uh, sent to prison or worse for just for doing what we're doing today. Isn't that incredible? On this same planet, the same planet we live in, Right now, present tense, it's hard to believe, it's hard to imagine. I think sometimes, uh, sometimes I, I can beat myself up, but I also don't want to get rid of it. You know, it can turn into condemnation, but I don't want, I don't want the conviction. You've got to find that balance. You want to be convicted, but you don't want to be condemned, but I don't want to then be pushing away condemnation so much that I get rid of the Holy Spirit's conviction. And sometimes I hear from the Spirit of the Lord that, you know, that you're weak, you know, not in a con condemning way. Again, I want to say that again. But, you know, to basically to toughen up a little bit sometimes. You know, maybe a superior officer would say it with a few expletives, right? But he would yell at his squad, you guys need to suck it up. You guys need to toughen up because we've got battle to go into. And sometimes I hear from the Spirit of the Lord in the most gentle way that he can. But you see, Jesus would do that too, right? Sometimes Jesus would turn to his disciples and it's like, whoa, you know, or turn to the crowds, and he spoke to them pretty sharply. But it's because I know what the Holy Spirit's saying to me is that you need to realize the time we're in and the seriousness of the times. And I said this some weeks ago, but I want to say it again, that um, I feel like a lot of the faith of the church has really rocked this year. And I've been before the Lord. In fact, I just went before the Lord again this morning, and I feel like maybe the last five months, six months, I said, Lord, I even did some fasting to kind of shake it. Um, but I kind of, you know, what happens is when you go through tough times, two things can happen. One, you can get totally engrossed with fear and worry and obsessed and struggle, and you don't know what to do and how to do it, right? And the other thing that can happen that can be just as dangerous is that we, uh, we, we just retreat and we try to make the best of things in such a way that we push away everything. You know, we, we just pretend that it's not happening, it's not real, right? So we have to find the balance. When we go through times like this last year, the balance of not being in fear and in worry and, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and this conspiracy and that conspiracy, because a lot of those things could be real. But then we don't want to run so far into, well, I'm not going to think about it, not worry about it, that then we just become like, Blind leading the blind, like sheep, right? Like in a, in a row, right over a cliff. So I just feel like I needed to intro with that, and I feel like the Lord wants to build our faith again. I said that some weeks ago, and I, that's what the Lord wants to do, encourage us again and have some faith again. And um, what I feel from the Spirit of the Lord is I was kind of surprised because I went to go seek the Lord, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? And so sometimes when I hear something too common from the Spirit of God, I filter it a lot. 
just to make sure it wasn't like in my head. Because, you know, as Christians, what happens is like sometimes you get up to a stop sign, right? And we all do this. Should I take a left or a right? Then it gets in your head and you're like, I don't know now. Now I'm kind of stuck at the stop sign because I feel like maybe I heard the Lord said today, take a left. And I don't usually. So then you're just like, you know what? Whatever. Take me an extra five minutes to get home. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit and avoid maybe just, maybe just the irritation. Maybe it's just traffic or worse. So sometimes when I'm seeking the Lord and I hear something from the Lord, I filter it if it's too common or too easy to hear. But I heard a, a word that I don't hear a lot. I heard a name, a, a book of the Bible that I don't hear a lot. Um, and it was Speak on Joel. And I knew right away, I was like, okay, Lord, I didn't have to really filter that one. I didn't have to check it with him to see if that was him because um, I actually spoke a lot about Joel, ironically, at this exact time last year. Totally forgot that I was really speaking a lot about weeping between the porch and the altar and some of those things, some of those promises there in Joel and some of the fastings there in Joel. And so when the Lord said it, I said, okay, Lord, so then... What happened is I was a little surprised is, it, is this morning I just went into just some prayer just for a little while, and I said, Lord, um, you know, so I had, have some points here from Joel, but do you have something, is there something I'm not catching? Because if, if I just come and give you the word, I believe that the word of God, any scripture, any time is always relevant. Any scripture, any time, it's relevant, but... God has specific things for specific times. Who believes that as well? Right? So I like, was a little surprised because I feel like the Lord just refreshed with me. And that's why my intro wasn't just an intro, but just refreshed my spirit again to say, you know, things are not okay out there in the world and in our nation. At the same time, not to get heavy. Everybody, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. I promise not to leave here heavy. Okay, because I don't feel that from the Spirit of God. I don't feel like 911 tomorrow, although, you know, sometimes it, you know, who knows? Jesus said be ready all the time. I don't know, you know, you don't know the day or the hour, right? We know the season, we don't know the day or the hour. So, you know, I know the season. Who believes that we're in a season of, of some changes in the whole world? Or, I mean, look at what's going on in Israel right now, and they've had some things going on before. But watch them. As Christians, you want to watch that nation because that's a good indicator of the timeline. Who knows that, right? So, you know, maybe it's going to fizzle out, but maybe it's not. Maybe it'll change because you go back and you do the history, and I talk a lot about World War I and World War II because I think there was just literally lost 100 million people, like a pretty major event, Right. Uh, but it started, right, we can do the history, little squabbles over, you know, property, property. If you go really deep, it'd be like two neighbors kind of fighting, and then it grows, right? Into nations fighting and became bigger and bigger and bigger. Then other nations joined in because they all had agendas built up and said, hey, I can use this for my power agenda, and it became something bigger than it started. So, you know, things can change, but what I feel from the Spirit of the Lord was that Things are not okay, and it could be easy right now just to say, well, 2020 didn't go my way, 2021, you wasn't so great at the start either, I'm going to make the best of it and just move on. Who kind of feels, who'd be, who's willing to be honest and raise your hand and say, 
you've kind of maybe done that a little bit and said, I'm just going to try to move on and make the best of it. Anybody? Right? And it's not that that's a bad thing because that's good human nature, but I feel like spiritually it could be dangerous. Humanly, that's, that's really good, but what we need to come into the Spirit of God and say, okay, Holy Spirit, we're not going to get into fear. I'm not going to get into worry. I'm not going to start chasing conspiracies. You're just wasting your time. You can go round and round and round the rabbit hole, right? You go right into, go right into uh, Alice in Wonderland's, you know, um, uh, spiraling circle, right? <laughs> it's endless. But we don't need to do that. But we do need to listen to the Holy Spirit, and I believe from the Holy Spirit that uh, we have uh, at least begun on a path towards major change in our world. What does that mean for us as believers? What does that mean for us right now? Um, I want to believe that things will somehow revert back to what they were, but I don't believe that today. I don't think things are going to revert back, but that doesn't mean that it can't be good. I want you to say this out loud. Just because it gets dark doesn't mean my light has to change. In fact, the darker it gets, even a dim light becomes bright. Even if you don't have much of a light <laughs> to the world right now, and you're like, Lord, I want a greater light. I want to get brighter. And the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to make you brighter by the world getting darker. Who believes that? We look in the book of Joel, and actually it talks about darkness. Everybody say darkness over the land. And it also talks about a foreign army that has invaded. Armies invaded. We talk about the locusts, and we talk about the armies and it says in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Sound the trumpet in Jerusalem. Raise the alarm on my holy mountain. Let everyone tremble in fear, because the day of the Lord is upon us. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness, Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it. This is verse, uh, uh, we're going to go into verse 6. It says, nothing like it has been seen, has been, uh, been seen uh, before or ever be seen again. Verse 6, fear grips all the people. Every face grows pale with terror. So it says to sound an alarm. Everybody say, sound the alarm. Now, I believe that many Christians, including myself, and I believe most in this church last year were like, I don't know what's happening. I know that there's all this other, there's all kinds of stuff. There's lots of conspiracy, but most Christians knew at least to seek the Lord what's going on. Can we all agree? And then what happens is that time goes on and we're like, well, maybe we missed it because things just seem to be returning back to a somewhat normal. And what we don't realize is 
You can take the mask off and Home Depots can open up, but it's not normal. Come on, guys. You realize how much has changed in such a short time? Things behind the scenes that have changed. I mean, entire ideas of just gathering as people and society and our national debt, for that matter. They can say normal all we want. You know, they want to say the new normal. We don't want the new normal. We want God's way. But the Bible says in Joel that there was darkness in the land. Everybody say darkness in the land. It says it was deep darkness, there was blackness, and that there was this foreign army. See, the army doesn't have to be, we don't have to see Russia or China. Everybody's always interpreted as like Russia and China coming and invading us. You know, the devil has an army. And you know, when I read my scriptures, the greatest issues throughout my entire Bible was not when the neighboring foreigners invaded, it was when it was within. It was the internal. You know, God, when the neighboring nations are committing evil, Israel's still being blessed. Do you remember that? But when Israel began to be corrupted in themselves, then God had to judge Israel. We don't need an army to invade America because there is an army within. It's a demonic army within. It's an entire ideology, isn't it? Critical race theory. All these theories and theologies and philosophies that are becoming normal in our nation, right under our nose. And I know we're upset, because if I talk to any of you, you're like, yeah, I know, and I hate, you know, and I, and I have this and that, and blah, blah, and but then you know what happens? Ah, it's another day, we're just going to move on. What can we do about it? What can we do about it? And I believe that the Lord doesn't want us to do anything physical about it. I don't feel anything, and let it be stated there on the internet as well, that there's really nothing physical that can be done, and nor was that ever God's answer in his word. But there is a people, there is a people that can turn and look to the Lord and call on him in this hour. Amen. When I read my Bible, I see many times that the actual change in the earth was not present, but the change in the spirit was there. That there was a people that sought God, even though the nations around them were crumbling, or the nations around them you know, were drawing many into their philosophies and theologies. You can go through your word, and you always find the few, a remnant. There's always a Jeremiah and Isaiah, right? There's always an Elijah. There's a John the Baptist, New Testament, right? Even when everyone is turning and had become religious and lost what the temple was and who God was, there's always a group of people that seeks the Lord and looks to him and wants him for him. Amen. 
And that's where we are at right now, I believe, with the Lord, is that the Lord, we cannot become condemned. We cannot be in fear. We still need to go to work. We still need to celebrate birthdays. But at the same time, we must be very, very spiritually aware right now. Because it'd be so easy for this agenda, which has begun in this nation, to completely corrupt it and turn it into a heathen nation, a, a, a devil nation. One that literally, that's what the nations around Israel did. They literally worshipped Satan and the demons. I mean, the, you know, they were just wood idols to Israel. God says to them, he's like, why are you worshiping, you know, at many times when he chastises them, why are you worshiping? That's just a piece of wood, which it was to Israel. To the foreign nation, you know, they had this, they had these encounters with these demonic entities, which that's what they fashioned these pieces of wood for. So they were literally satanic and demonic entities that eventually corrupted Israel. And what happens is when we read in Joel, what happened is, is the Lord had warned over and over and over again. Do you remember when the Lord warned them? Generation after generation, after generation, prophecy, after prophecy. The Lord, you know, the Lord is slow to anger. He had been warning for generations upon generations, please. I don't, I have, to, I'm a man of my word, and my word is that I'm faithful, but my word is also throughout the whole book of Deuteronomy, we just read that as a church, that if you're not faithful to me yes i'm faithful and i can't change that but i made a covenant with you that if you will not stay faithful to me that eventually i must judge this nation and so in joel the judgments are coming things are basically deuteronomy is unfolding for them all the prophecies are unfolding and the darkness is there but the lord says it says in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts. Everybody say, tear our hearts. It says, Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. I want to read these words out loud. Let's just start right here. He is merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. That's the Lord's heart, and I believe it's still his heart. I believe that this one year, one year ago that we were like totally into this thing what, that was happening in this earth and in this nation, and again, I'm not getting to any, I don't even want to talk about a conspir the conspiracies of it for one second. I'm so tired of that, sorry. But nonetheless... Here we are now, we can't cry out to the Lord and get into the book of Joel and say, Lord, and then right now just 
say, well, that was last year and move on because as the climate is now changing in some of the politics and in, in this pandemic, I believe, I'm praying, is going to completely go, we cannot uh, be blind to the fact that the enemy, it doesn't even, does not matter what their agenda was in, <laughs> initially, the enemy, like Balaam, remember, the enemy wanted to use Balaam. Everybody say that out loud. The enemy was not Balaam. The enemy wanted to use Balaam. But Balaam had stuff in his heart that wasn't right. The enemy could exploit it, right? So there is an agenda that's already out there. There are people out there that hate God. There are people that think that your right to kill a nine-month-old baby is your right, and that is not murder. So when we have that thinking, it's not hard for the devil to use the Balaams of today against us, his people. And so right now, I just, like I said, I was a little surprised too because I'm like, okay, Lord, not that I feel like I had wandered away, but maybe just a little too normal, too quick. Everybody say too normal, too quick. <laughs> Trying to make, the, make it the best of things too quick, moving on too fast, and just to be checked again and remember that, that things are not okay. But again, it's going to be okay. I want you to say this out loud. It's going to be okay for us. Do you believe that? Do you really believe it's going to be okay for you, though? Because the Lord always watched over his people. I can go through the darkest times in the Bible and the darkest times in history, and God's people were always taken care of. Every single time. It doesn't mean they had everything that they had before, necessarily, as far as wealth goes or, or ease goes, but God always took care of his people, didn't he? Even in our quest going back 400 years to get to this nation, they lost 50% of their people on the way over. Man, if you were judging that from certain Christian perspectives, you would have thought you made a wrong turn somewhere. You forgot to tithe or something because, man, God must not be for you. Half of you just died. And yet, Plymouth Rock... You know, this, this rock that we still have today, right, is a foundational stone of proof of God's faithfulness. They try to turn it into all kinds of other stuff, but we know as believers, right, that we don't look in the natural, and, it's, and it, it was a price that was painful for them to pay, but they knew that it needed to be paid, and they paved the way really for us today. Isn't that incredible? This nation that we have and the freedom that we have and so on, you know, those are one of those foundational moments, and yet it costs so much. So it's not that it's going to be okay in all the natural ways, but we must know that God's plan is still moving forward, and that what he's doing, there may be loss, there may be pain, there may be suffering, there's going to be things we don't understand, but God is going to keep doing what he promised to do, and God is going to build his church 
in this earth and establish his kingdom on this earth. Amen. And what we have to know and believe is that, you know, on their trip over here as they're dying, they said, I'd rather die than stay here under captivity and tyranny. And that was the decision they had already made. You know that. You realize when they got on that ship, they knew the dangers, they knew what it meant, and they had already made that choice so that the half that actually made it alive were not just uh, saying, you know, oh, that was unfortunate, we're lucky, but no, we're all blessed, every single one of us. None of us had to make it here, but God was for us and not against us, and we are here by him. Amen. Amen. And so the Lord today is speaking that our nation is in trouble. This nation is in trouble. We need to pray. We did, see, listen, if we just pray for a president to get elected and then go to sleep when the one we don't like gets elected, I didn't say that. I'm just saying if somebody in here doesn't like him. But then we are not the people that we thought we were while we were praying. We were just fakes. We're good at talking, not good at doing. If we really believed that we needed to pray for a particular president for the nation and the other one got in that we didn't want, then we better be praying twice as much now. Come on, let's just have a reality check here. We should be praying twice as much, not putting our tails between our legs in defeat. And that's what I feel like I did in some ways to try to make the best of things. And I feel like the Lord came very gently and chastised me. Very gently because he's kind, isn't he? And he's merciful. He loves us so much. But if we continue on the path that we are set forth within just these few months, we will go down. It's a fact. There's only a hole in this ship the size of a softball, but you give it three years, and that ship is not going to last. Does that make sense? We could be looking, well, it's only a small hole. It's not that big of a deal. I've seen worse. And what we need to realize is the enemy has patient with his plan. See, God's patient with his plan, but so's the enemy. And the enemy's been working an agenda for generations upon generations. And we're like, I mean, we are set up. I believe that the foundation stones have been laid. If he wants to build in this nation, he could, unless we stand with the Lord right now and cry out. It says in the book of Kings, I wanted to read this because I thought this was incredible. God warned them in Deuteronomy, but this is what it says in the book of Kings, chapter 3. First uh, Kings, chapter 3, verse 12, what God spoke to Solomon. He said, I'll give you what you asked for. He says, I'll give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has ever had and will ever have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, for riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 20, The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They were very contented 
and with plenty to eat and drink, in verse 29, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the seashore. In fact, I looked it up, and so this is because in the book of Deuteronomy, God says, if you will stand with me, I'll stand with you. You worship me, you put me first, I will bless you. You start worshiping foreign gods, you start doing what they do, what did they do? You know what the greatest thing that they did was? Sacrifice of their children to their gods. It was like the greatest thing. That was their worship. And finally, our, our, our people, I'm identifying with our people, right? Because we're Israelites. We're New Testament Israelites. But, right? Finally, right? The kings, we get to such darkness that kings of Israel start sacrificing their own children to demon gods. But here in 1 Kings, second, here's the second king of Israel, right? David set up and really paved the way for Solomon. Then Solomon inherits it. And I looked this up. Do you know Solomon's personal wealth was valued at $2.2 trillion? Not the nation. That's just his personal wealth. The richest people in the earth today are worth near a staggering $200 billion, which is just not even money anymore. It just becomes what they call liquidity, right? It's li- I mean, it's liquid. That's what they call those guys. Their money's liquid because they could never spend enough to actually get rid of it. It just grows too fast when they hit that point. And at $200 billion, that's 10% of what Solomon was worth. And yet, everybody say, and yet, Solomon didn't even live a lifetime before the nation started to fall. It wasn't even by the end of his life when Israel was already on a downward spiral. You know, this nation was so incredibly blessed. I just felt like the Lord's blessing was on us the same way. Like there was just so much. God did so much, and there was such a price. Israel paid a, a tremendous price. I mean, think of the prices that they had to pay. 400 years under Pharaoh, and then finally, then 40 years through the wilderness, and then conquering all those heathen kingdoms in their land to finally establish Israel. And then here we are. Solomon extends it. That was, the furthest borders it ever had was under Solomon. And by the end of his life, it already began to crumble because they did exactly what God warned. They let the other nations influence their faith. They let philosophy and other theologies. Come on, right? It's a modern era. We need to get rid of the Bible. It's archaic. Come on, it's a two, we're, trying to, we're trying to rule society with a 2,000-year-old book, right? Sound familiar? They said, come on, Israel, you need to update the times. You know, there's more than one God. So Solomon's like, okay, to all of his wives, you can build a temple. We'll put a temple right here. We'll put a temple over there. You guys can put a temple for your God there. What happens? Just like that. 
within one lifetime, it was already coming down. Rebellion against God was well on its way. And God was merciful, though. You can read about generations upon generations of his mercy. They split first, right? You know the history. Everybody know the history, right? First, there's a split. And then God would, he would judge a king, but then the next king would be okay. He would semi-worship God. You know, nobody, all the way till Josiah. They don't fully tear down the ones that Solomon built, the idols, even though God was for them and he loved them and he had grace for them. They, and he allowed them to actually have foreign gods, you realize that, positioned in their nation for the next like thousand years, whatever it is, 500 years, 600 years. I don't remember the exact amount, but it's generations, generations, generations. And finally, Josiah tears it all down, and then the next generation, that's it. That, it's, it's just, it's too late. It's beyond, I love you. I love you. I'm for you. But I have to do what I'm about to do, and you're going to be led into captivity. And at that point, once God was on his way, once God began judging, there was no stopping. You realize that. What happened? Everybody know the history? They're like, okay, Lord, fine. Okay, now, it's, now, now we repent. Now, 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 Lord, now we're going to repent. They're like, oh, you know, we're going we're gonna to stand and fight. And the Lord's like, listen, it's too late. You stand and fight, now you're dead. And that's exactly what happens. God actually gives him mercy. He's like, listen, if you, the king at the time, uh, what's, what's the very last king's name? What's his name? Gets his eyes gouged out. Come on, Dan. Is it Zedekiah? Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. So he says to him, God says, if you'll just go with him now, and I'll let you go peacefully, and your children go with you, and so on. He says, no, we're going to stand and fight, gouge out his eyes, kill his children, etc., and it's not a good situation. Once God is on his, like that said, you crossed over a line. I don't believe we've crossed that line, but I think things are in place in this nation. Who believes the same? Things are being set up and things are in place. I don't believe the Lord has given up on this nation yet. Aren't you grateful? Believe me, you'll know the day he's given up on us. You'll know it. It hasn't happened yet. But we've been having warning after warning after warning. And what I want to say to you in encouragement just for these next few minutes is I still want you to eat meals with your family and work as normal and take care of your house and yet, spiritually, be very, very, very alert. I don't want us to be condemned. You don't need to go into your home and, like, in a cave. You know, I've seen that happen, too, where Christians get so weird that then we're, like, we're literally, you know, people 20 years ago, I, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. It's not, I guess, not funny, but they were, like, you know, this is it. Things, you know, Jesus coming back, and they, like, moved out of, out of the United States and moved into, like, South America, and uh, there were guys on that show um, what's the show, Elijah? Something preppers, doomsday preppers. People were filling in their swimming pools in California and turning them into gardens, you know, because, uh, and those poor people for the last, you know, 20 years have had no pool in 100 degree heat, but they've had a garden. Meanwhile, I can still buy vegetables. So we don't want to get weird, but we must be alert. Amen. I believe the Lord just was saying it again, and I was surprised. Who's a little surprised? It's okay. 
I was like, okay, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, I hear you, and I'll be faithful to bring that up. Yes, Lord, I don't want to just... I don't want to just blow it off and say, you know, oh, Lord, I think you missed it. I think everything's going to be okay. I just want to say, yes, Lord. But I feel this tremendous peace from the Lord that his people are going to be okay and be taken care of. And just for these next few minutes, I want to read in Joel. Do you know today is Pentecost Sunday? Anybody know that? And they celebrate it 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. All right, so that's today. Because that's when the Holy Spirit... uh, you know, comes, falls in in Acts chapter 2, and this is what it says, actually, in Acts chapter 2, who remembers the story, right? The Holy Spirit falls on his people, they've been waiting, they've been seeking him, and it says in Acts chapter 2 that after they uh, were seeking him, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they come stumbling downstairs, and the local townspeople thought they were drunks, because they're all blabbing, and they're all coming out crazy, and what they're hearing them speak in their own language, so God's actually working a miracle, and everybody's able to hear them in their own tongue, so they're like, you guys must be drunk. So it says in Acts chapter 2, Peter says, Acts 2, verse 13. It says, they're just drunk, that's all. And Peter says, verse 14, he stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's too early. He says, No, what you see was predicted. Everybody say predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. I don't know about you guys, but I was encouraged because I said, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? He says, I want you to speak on Joel. And then it's Pentecost Sunday, and right on Pentecost Sunday, Peter quotes Joel. I thought that was pretty neat. I was encouraged. I said, okay, Lord, I believe that you're in this. I believe this is you. This is your word. And he says, in the last days, everybody say in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Come on, I just spoke for, I did four sermons about God will not abandon us because he gave us his Holy Spirit, he gave us grace, he gave us life, he gave us his blood, he gave us his name, right? We are not abandoned. It doesn't matter what we see and what happens in this nation. We must cry out for it and pray for it, but even if we were to lose it physically, which I'm not believing, I'm not saying that, I'm coming back to saying those things again. I said a lot about this during the winter, but even if, in a very worst-case scenario, we were to lose all the freedoms we know in the natural, my word says that I have the Spirit of the Lord that leads me. My word says that in the last days, the Spirit of God will pour out upon me and upon you. It says my sons and your daughters will prophesy. It says our young men will see visions and our old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will Pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke, and the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls, so listen, it says, my spirit's going to be poured out on my people, 
And all of these crazy things are going to happen simultaneously. I want you to hear this. When's all the crazy stuff going to happen in the earth? When the Spirit of God is poured out on His people. It says, all these things are going to happen. Wonders in the heavens, signs on the earth below. This is verse 19. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke and the sun's dark. The moon turns to red. And it says, verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. It doesn't matter what happens then, because I know, no matter what happens, that I am in the kingdom of God. We are in the kingdom of God. We are not of this kingdom of this earth. And yet we're in this nation, and so we're in this time. Peter knew he was in the kingdom of God, but he also stood in the gap for his natural nation there on the earth, didn't he? Peter could have just said, well, I'm in the kingdom of God. I met Jesus face to face. That's your problem to figure out. He knew who he was, and he knew where he was going, and he knew his place in heaven. Jesus told him, I've got a place I'm preparing for you, and he gives his life even to a cross himself for the Lord. We know from the Bible that every single time it looked like there was no hope and there was no way that when his people cried out, God made a way. Amen. Who believes that? I was seeking the Lord and I said to the Lord this. I said, Lord, I asked him kind of a, a blunt question that was very, very human, not very spiritual. Almost sometimes I almost rewind to be like a baby Christian. I ask baby Christian questions and I say, Lord, what do I tell this world to convince them to believe in you? Because it doesn't seem like they care about the truth. Sometimes, right? Who feels like that? Sometimes the people around doesn't feel, you can feel discouraged. Like they just don't care. They don't even care that it's true. You know, I heard a story. This is a true story. There was a flood in Texas and the water washed away this, this uh, creek bed. And, and, and what happens is over there in Texas versus, you know, we have deciduous trees. That means our trees shed every year and they create mulch. You know, that's where you get your topsoil from. So for us to find something old, you got to metal detect down a foot down, right? Because it's been hundreds of years for that thing to get buried by years and years of composting soil. Out west... Over in that region, like in Texas, Arizona, right, so dry that Indian heads, I mean, the, their arrowheads are still sitting right there on the soil, right, where they left them, right, hundreds or even a thousand years ago, right? But when flash floods come through, it actually washes away the surface, and what's underneath is suddenly exposed. So this flash flood comes through, and it washes away the banks of this river, and what they find was absolutely incredible for a creationist, for a Christian, because they found dinosaur tracks and human tracks in the same soil, the same exact fossil. There was no layers. There was no separation. They're like, you know, Christian scientists saying, maybe they're friends. Maybe he's hunting him. We don't know. You know, we're not going to be those fools that tell you every little thing like, you know, four billion years ago, what they ate, like we know what we ate a thousand years ago. Somewhere where we had never been, right? You go into the Amazon jungle, you're going to take someone's word for it. We don't know what anything was like 
except that right here, I have a fossil record, but your theology says that I evolved only a couple hundred million years ago, and those guys, they were like billions of years ago. So because my theology says that this isn't real, that actual secular news came to report on it, and the Christian scientist who I was listening to giving us the real news said that they came and they positioned their cameras so that they couldn't see the actual proof. And he tried, the Christian scientist tried to get the secular scientist to come and look at it. He wouldn't even look with his own eyes. Because God forbid he actually looked and saw proof, right? He was so indoctrinated that he wouldn't even look. Well, you know, just like God. Wow, I could get down a rabbit hole here, and I'm not going to. I got so many things in my head right now. But I'll leave it at that. Things in the sky. Oh, the news is just starting to change. Everybody noticing that? Even Obama just came out with a statement about his last term, stuff in the sky. Anyway, just like God, what happened? You guys can, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, then... You guys will find out. Believe me, you're going to find out very soon what things are going to start changing before our eyes. And so what happens is, just like God, because he's like, fine, you don't want to know the truth. You know what happens? Another flash flood comes right through and washes away all the evidence. And whoever saw it, saw it. And whoever didn't see it, that was it. Now that's gone. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, what is it? What can I do to convince them? Like, I was like, Lord, I know you, but what happens is we walk with you so long that I, I'll give you grace. We give God grace. <laughs> we do. We give God grace for the things that don't happen right away. We pray, and he doesn't answer. It doesn't mean he doesn't care or he doesn't want to answer or that he's not going to answer, but we don't see it instantly, but we give God grace because we love him. And we understand now as mature Christians that some things take time, other things are out of his will, some, it's not good for us, or maybe, you know, there's something that we don't understand. Amen. But to the unbeliever, you know, I'm going to tell them, hey, give your stuff to God and he'll make your life okay, and it doesn't happen that way, and now suddenly I'm a liar and God, they hate him even more. Who's experienced something like that? And so I just kind of vented to the Lord, not vented in frustration, but I was like, Lord, and I really felt like from God, very simple answer, you don't need to convince them of anything. We need the Spirit of God. It's only the Spirit of the Lord that's going to change things. And so what's happening is, is it, we read the book of Joel and at the exact second that darkness is growing and increasing, of course, that's going to be the exact second that the Spirit of the Lord shows up and does something in the earth. We need to start praying for it as the disciples did. We need to start believing now on this Pentecost Sunday. We need to start praying again in an upper room of sorts. You know, you don't have to come to this building to be an upper room because you are the temple, right? You know that. But we need to go to, into the upper room of sorts in our spirit that can be together, that can be separate. But the point is that we are seeking God for a move of a spirit in this nation because that is the only thing that's going to change us. They will see physical proof. Remember, guys, 
Sometimes everybody's, everybody obsesses with Acts and Acts 2 over the miracles. Jesus said to them, he said, you're a wicked generation for asking me to show you a miracle. Jesus literally healed them. There's a story, right? He heals 10 lepers, completely healed. Only one comes back. And he says, where's the other nine? They took their healing and they just took it and, and ran. One person recognized Jesus from it. Because, you know, even miracles, that's not what this world needs. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to do those things too. I believe we're going to see things that, we've, that we have not seen in a long time. But that's not today's sermon. I believe what we really need, like, Paul, like Peter says here, when he comes out filled with the Spirit of God, is that this moment it's dark now. You guys just crucified only 40 days ago. The same exact crowd put Jesus on a cross. They were the same people, right, who said crucify him. And now suddenly, 40 days later, he comes downstairs and he says, you need to know him now. And out of the spirit of the Lord that was within him, gave them the spirit of the Lord. And suddenly 3,000 people get saved just like that. We want to come up with all these clever ways to get people into churches, into buildings, by the way, not into the church. Get them into buildings and then do what? But the Bible says, oh, you can go read it in your own time just for time. Go through the promises there in Joel chapter 2. He goes on and on and on and on. The Lord says, turn to me while there's time. Chapter two, uh, Joel 2, verse 12, turn to me now. Everybody say, turn to him now. While there's still time. Turn to him now while there's still time. He's not telling the world to turn to him. He's telling his people to turn to him. I need you, I need my people to cry out to me. Right? The world's not going to cry out to him. He says, return to the Lord, verse 13. This is his people. It must be us that seeks him. And you know what he says? He goes on and on. Who loves Joel 2? I'm closing here. I'm not going to read it. Don't get, don't get worried. I know it's a lot. But he goes on and on. This is where you know those verses where he says, he says, I'm going to, he says, I'm going to, where the animals, right? I'm going to turn the pastures that were dead. I'm going to turn them green, right? And I'm, and, I, and you guys may know it different translations, but basically he says, the threshing floors, again, are going to be piled high with grain. I'm going to give you the new oil. I'm going to give you the new wine. What the locusts, right, all the different locusts have destroyed. He says, I'm going to give you all the food you want again. He says, I'm going to be, verse 27, you will know that I am among my people Israel. And then finally, right there at the end, here's where that prophecy is. Then you can read verse 28 through the end of the chapter. Then after all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon your people. So, you know, there's going to be some things. There's going to be some darkness. But the Bible says if we will cry out to him during that exact same time, and that's what the Lord's asking today. And he kind of surprised me because I feel like we have, and then you kind of put it down and don't realize it. And then the Lord promises that if you do, then there's that prophecy again, almost word for word, what, what Peter uh, is uh, quoting from Joel, that the Lord is going to pour out his spirit upon us. He's going to give us what we need, not just to get through the season, but so that the world around us can be saved. 
That's the whole purpose. If he was just going to get us through it, then he'd just take us to heaven. Right? But the reason we have the Spirit of God is not just to know how to survive. If he wants me to survive, he can just kill me and I'll survive for eternity. I know that sounds harsh, but I'm eternal. Aren't you eternal? So if it's about survival, that'd be really easy. Just get rid of my body because that's inconvenient. I know that that's, that's strong to say, but the, the Spirit of the Lord is not there just to protect us and guide us into bunkers. And there may be some of those moments, but it's going to be to have the word they need, that dream, that vision, the direction that they need. It's because the Lord wants to save this world around us. And they don't need our intellect. They don't need our arguing. Come on, got enough of that. They need the spirit of the Lord. Amen. Well, it was a joy to preach to you today. Thank you. Just enjoying for an extra couple minutes here. And I just want to just praise you, God, and thank you, Lord Jesus. I just pray your word, Lord God. Put your word into me. Lord, put your word into us. I pray you'd seal it, Lord. Sear it into my heart. Lord, do not let us hear your word and look at your word, Lord God, and just turn away. But God, we pray right now. We just pray, Lord Jesus, for grace and mercy again on this nation. And Lord, this whole leadership, we can't just ignore him. We can't just ignore this leader of this nation. We just, we, Lord, we pray for this leader of this nation. We pray for the entire, Lord, the entire government that's getting bigger and bigger, and yet, Lord God, they're over us. So we pray for them like you told us to. We pray, God, Lord Jesus, we know their minds are not going to be changed. So I pray, God, that the Spirit of the Lord, Lord, that you have people planted in all positions all over the place, government positions, Lord, in churches, and around this nation, Lord, I pray that they would come pouring out, Lord, just like that moment, Pentecost Sunday, God, it's not for us, it's for this world. You didn't give him to us just for us. Lord, I thank you. The word says that we'd be comforted by him, and we are. But it is for this world, is to have the message, it's to have, Lord God, an anointed message from the Spirit of the Lord. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.